For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson. And today I want to give a shout out to our readers and viewers anywhere that oil and gas are produced, or consumed, because they really mean it. They, in this case, being the people in charge in Canada, especially our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who just appointed a man known not just for climate activism, but for climate activist law-breaking as Minister of Environment and Climate Change. And it is getting rid of fossil fuels come what may. It's not obvious why a scofflaw would expect others to obey his rules once he condescends to board the drifting hulk of legitimate authority, or why the Prime Minister would think that a man who, as Heritage Minister, was tone-deaf to accusations that his plan to regulate online speech constituted censorship, would be the one to navigate this increasingly delicate file with tact and sensitivity to Alberta in particular. In any case, uh, Stéphane Guilbeault brushed off Albertan concerns, saying that his plan to shut down the energy industry is no secret, and then blaming the victim. He said, quote, Alberta has been trying to pick a fight with us on climate for quite some time, end quote. Ah oui, cet animal est très méchant. Quand on attaque, il se défend. As John Iverson wrote in the National Post, quote, Welcome to the no-growth cabinet where the poachers have become the gamekeepers, end quote. But it's not just Guilbeault, or primarily him. It's our Prime Minister. He's the one who simply doesn't see any issue here, not just with national unity, but with the unfolding energy crisis. He's the one who picks these people, and he's the one who does not understand that money doesn't fall from the sky and that it takes constant hard work to keep the lights on or to meet these famous climate targets. It doesn't help that the famously skeptical press are mostly just cheerleaders here. For instance, CTV announced on October 28th that, quote, as Trudeau heads to COP26, a new analysis gives his climate plan a good grade, end quote. Yes, by the usual suspects. And what is this plan? Basically, it's more promises that, if they were somehow kept, would get us halfway to the target he set last spring, which the computer models say wouldn't affect global temperature anyway, even if everyone did it. According to the Canadian press, among Gilbo's, quote, first priorities will be legislating or regulating an emissions cap on oil and gas and then setting targets to force them downward over the next 30 years in five-year increments, end quote. Alas, quote, the details of how and when are yet to be developed, end quote. But apart from there being no plan, it's a great plan, including the part where Trudeau hikes energy prices during a crisis, making people cold and hungry, and then asks what they expected him to do. One reason alarmists, including Trudeau, are having trouble understanding that the world is not unfolding quite as they had predicted is that they have, in large measure, adopted the habit of substituting assertion for demonstration. Like the New York Times opinion piece on horror movies that started, quote, These days, there's a lot to be anxious about. There's a lot to fear. There's the environmental wreckage that's increasingly evident around the world, end quote. Such as, you know, a hurricane, a polar bear... The coral, vanishing Pacific. I saw it somewhere on Twitter. And then there's this reverberation from the echo chamber, in this case, the conversation, an author whining, in the face of chaos, why are we so nonchalant about climate change, end quote. See, quote, the dire state of the planet's health was unambiguously demonstrated by the UN's climate body, the IPCC, when it sounded a code red for humanity in its latest report, end quote. But of course, it did nothing of the kind. And the same author also wondered why Extinction Rebellion protests were unpopular, quote, despite the limited disruption these groups cause in comparison to the extreme disruption already produced and threatened by climate breakdown, such as extreme droughts, wildfires, and tropical storms, end quote. Which he then admits 
aren't actually happening. He says, quote, the vast majority of UK citizens, for example, have not yet been displaced by drought, flooding, or other extreme weather events, end quote. No, not yet. But then he says, quote, the population of Bangladesh, for instance, is particularly vulnerable to climate change, with 30 million people set to become climate refugees if and when sea levels rise by one meter, end quote. Yeah, if. But you notice they haven't had it happen to them either. And now, a word from our sponsor. And that's you. Because at the Climate Discussion Nexus, we're dependent upon support from our viewers and our readers. Please go to our donate page, make a one-time pledge, or if you can, a monthly one. I'm not talking a lot of money, though. If you've got it, we'll take it. $2 a month, $3, $5. That's the sustaining funding that we need to produce these videos on our newsletter. And now, back to me. Then there's NBC's recent quote, extreme heat in cities a growing problem as climate warms study finds. People flocking to cities in rapidly urbanizing areas, such as Southern Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa, are increasingly vulnerable to soaring temperatures and high humidity, end quote. Of course, the story throws in kitchen sink after kitchen sink, quote. The report also says climate change is increasing conditions suitable for infectious disease pathogens, reversing global progress in providing food and water security, and increasing exposure to wildfires, end quote. But where's the evidence of more wildfires or less food? Never mind. After adding a wet bulb crisis, the story finally coughs up that, quote, two-thirds of the change was due to population growth. The rest of the increase was due to climate change and additional heat due to urbanization, end quote. So there's actually not that much left for climate, is there? Now, speaking of the urban heat island effect, the city of Ottawa recently released two temperature maps of the local July 2019 heat wave that reveal more than was intended. As the CBC noted, quote, there's a wide range in surface temperatures recorded that day, from 15 degrees Celsius along portions of the Ottawa River to between 36 and 38 Celsius in certain small pockets of the city where both water and vegetation are in short supply, end quote. And an alert reader points out that a second city-generated map of the whole area within the local Greenbelt reveals that it's way cooler in places that are still rural, as they were a century ago, than in ones that over the last hundred years have acquired a lot more cement. One of the maps had the gall to speak of, quote, temperatures expected to rise by 3.2 degrees Celsius by the 2050s, end quote. But nobody's expecting a degree a decade of increase. And as for July 18, 2019 being, quote, a day where temperatures reached 27.3 degrees Celsius, end quote, well, Ottawa temperatures on July 18, 1919 were 32.8 Celsius. Besides, the story also said, quote, the annual mean air temperature of a city with one million people or more can be one to three degrees Celsius warmer than its surroundings during the day, end quote. So, take three degrees off the 2019 number, and temperatures only reached about 24.3, which is positively chilly compared to a century earlier. Still, why listen to facts when you can listen to a dinosaur? A new video from the UN has one warning the delegates not to go extinct. And I'm telling you, a serious CGI budget went into producing this thing while very cool actor Jack Black did the English voiceover. But money and popularity can't buy your brains. And the video is mind-bogglingly stupid and childish, including its punchline, don't choose extinction, as if any sane person, including at the UN's own IPCC, really thinks that anthropogenic climate change could drive even the human race into extinction, let alone a majority of plants and animals on Earth, which is what happened when the dinosaurs got it. You know, it shows you how far they've drifted from serious debate that nobody at the UN objected to this kind of hyperbole 
or balked at the dinosaur warning that, quote, around the world people are living in poverty, end quote, before suggesting that denying them affordable energy is just the thing to fix that problem. Meanwhile, National Geographic warns that brewing beer might destroy the planet, but don't despair. Your proposal is acceptable. We'll have a beer instead. But not one of the dehydrated ones touted in that newsletter. And with it, we'll toast people who have sufficient intuitive grasp of science to realize that the Earth is very big, and so they cannot believe either that making beer might destroy it or that making it differently might save it. It's not that kind of an object. In the newsletter, we also ask again, if there's a global heating crisis, why isn't it hotter? We do it this week by taking our 1920 or 2020 tour to beautiful Cape Lewin on the southwest coast of Australia and asking which temperature lines the good old days and which ones the climate emergency. And we also return to what the most recent IPCC report really did say, this time about dangerous storms or severe convective storms. They're getting worse and worse, right? No. The IPCC finds, quote, low confidence in observed trends in tornadoes and hail, end quote, medium confidence in a mixed picture on American tornadoes, and, quote, low confidence in the details of the projected increase in those computer models. And finally, another also, we do more madness of clouds. In the form of another study, this one by Hans-Rolf Dubal and Fritz Varenholt, that shows an increase in absorption of shortwave solar radiation in cloudy parts of the Earth in the last 20 years. Not because of more greenhouse gases, but because something made clouds more permeable to sunlight in the early 21st century. Dubal and Varenholt aren't sure what it was. They think it might have been massive ocean circulation systems. And the computer models certainly didn't see it coming. But if it's cyclical, it could reverse. And if it does, a lot of people are going to look very silly indeed, with Justin Trudeau near the head of the parade. We, on the other hand, will be looking smug. So get wise and support us now. Oh, and if you like the idea of Climate Discussion Nexus merch, write and tell us what you think would be a hot Christmas item. For CDN, I'm John Robson.